Okay, a good vach and a good chaydesh. Um, it's customary, actually, to say good chaydesh, even though we're already deep in the month already. Whenever you do Kiddush Havana, you say good vach and you say good chaydesh. So you go good week and a good month. So I want to share tonight a few stories about the power of learning the daily regimen of Chumash Tehillim and Tanya. Uh, Yosef Masud was sharing with us today about how he was in a car accident at Chumol Tzlan. Uh, he was driving his scooter, and uh, but he was learning Tanya while he was driving his scooter, and he felt that because he was learning Tanya, uh, Baruch Hashem, he, though he flew in the air and he got hurt a bit, but thank God nothing happened to him. He's fine, 100%. And uh, there was actually someone who... Um, he asked the Rebbe for a blessing to be connected to the Rebbe. The Rebbe said to him, you should say Tanya when you walk on the street. Because the Rebbe said, I also say Tanya when I walk on the street, automatically we'll meet together. It is customary not only to say stories of tzaddikim in general on Matzei Shabbos, but specifically about the Baal Shem Tif, as Rebbe told Rebbe Moshe Feller, that in every circumstance, you should always say a story of a tzaddik and Matzah Shabbos, and whether you're with one person or two people, always share a story. So uh, tonight, I actually have a story of, of the Baal Shem Tif, which I'm going to share. Um, the story goes like this. It's known that the Tzemach Tzedek was fighting a war against the Haskalah movement, and he was arrested many times because of his involvement in this, uh, in this effort. Um, it's an interesting exchange that Betzal Stern, uh, who was one of the representatives that the government wanted to have at the meeting uh, with the Tzemach Tzedek and the other various Sadiqim, the Rabbi uh, represented the Lithuanian Misnagdish Yeshivish camp. Tzemach Tzedek, who had, as a previous Rebbe wrote, had about 600,000 Hasidim. He represented the Hasidim, and they had a representative of the, of the Haskalah movement, Dr. Lilienthal, and that Saul Stern represented the uh, business class at the time, the, the upper class of the Jewish people. So Tzemach Tzedek was arrested many, many times um, in his efforts to, uh, to help the Jewish people, in the, and it's a fascinating um, exchange that Mr. Saul Stern had with Hasidim in one um, at one, uh, no problem, at one, uh, in one interval. The um, Tzemach Tzedek um, was accused by Dr. Lilienthal of the Ascola movement of the following. The Ascola movement sent many representatives to various um, cities, strongholds of both the Hasidic movement and the strong, and strongholds of the of the yeshivish litvish um, and their goal was to try to get these Jews, these very religious people to, to, to discourage them from being so religious and to join the Ascala movement. They had various different methods that they used they would um, pretend to be very pious individuals and they would dress in different ways and try to seduce people to uh, um, to join the Askal movement, one of the things they would do was to be to try to teach grammar. They taught Hebrew grammar 
the goal of teaching Hebrew grammar was to get in the conversation and to bring children to go or adults to go to learn in Germany in yeshivas. But those yeshivas really um, weren't yeshivas. They were actually um, Haskola. The Haskola set up these all the uh, uh, these 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 boys who came to Berlin to learn. Hebrew grammar or the finer wisdoms of the world to bring back into the tense of Torah, they they um, discouraged them from keeping Judaism and and they many of them left Judaism as a result of the efforts of the Skald movement. They were called the Belinchikes. Belinchikes, those who went from Vilna and other cities to Berlin, and they were they brought up very religiously, but they became uh, they became assimilated through their trips to universities and other and the schools of the Skald movement in Berlin. And they left Yiddishkeit, unfortunately, as a result of this. So that Tzemach Tzedek uh, was very um, uh, strong about this. And on many occasions, the Tzemach Tzedek actually, um, when the Hasidim would discover, would, would, would discover a representative of the Askalov movement, they would eject him from the town with busyness. He would be disgraced. He would, as a, he was a spy, he was trying to infiltrate, trying to, to um, and the, the kind of way they were, that they were treated when they were discovered, was something that irked the ire of Dr. Lilienthal, who was the leader of the Skull Movement at the time. So he told the, um, the at this meeting with the representatives of the Russian government, together with, with Saul Stern and Mitchell Lajner, uh, he said that uh, Tzemach Tzedek is actually guilty of treason because all representatives of the, um, the Skull Movement were sanctioned by the Russian government, and therefore not actually representing but just the Russian government, the Haskalov movement, the representatives of the Russian government, and therefore by the, by the Hasidim disrespecting them, they're disrespecting the Russian government. And therefore the Tzemach Tzedek, who encourages Hasidim to act this way, deserves capital punishment because he's committing acts of treason. So Tzemach Tzedek responded, I'm not quoting the exact words, but more important is the way you responded. You responded very coolly and very clearly that what I am doing is something that, that my forefathers have done, and that is to uphold the, the laws of Torah and Yiddishkeit. And if I need to die for the purpose of spreading Torah and Judaism, I'm ready to die as well. And that's what Tzemach Tzedek said, and it made a, quite an impression on everyone. So this, this Betzal Stern, I mentioned before, when he left the uh, meeting, he met the Hasidim, they wanted to hear what had happened, and he told them, what the Tzemach Tzedek had said, and how impressed he was. He said, the reason I was impressed was because I noticed the difference between the Tzemach Tzedek, your Rebbe, and another Jew whose name was Shleim Ashtadlin. Shleim Ashtadlin was someone who acted as sort of like a lawyer, representing Jews in the various courts of the Polish princes and noblemen. When a Jew would get in trouble with the Polish prince or nobleman, they would call on this Jew, well, a well-to-do Jew who, who, who had dealings because of his business with the various the, the nobles of, of Poland and of Russia. And they sent Shlomo Stadlin to represent them. So when Shlomo Stadlin would, ha- would have to beseech the, a king or a prince or a duke on behalf of a Jew, Shlomo Stadlin would take with him his burial shrouds. This is what Saul Stern is telling the Hasidim. He says he took with him his burial shrouds, but he left his sacrifice at home. He left his messiah's nefesh at home. He may be, in other words, he's ready to die, 
But it wasn't, Saul Stern felt he left his sacrifice at home. On the other hand, he says, your Rebbe, it may be that he left his burial shrouds at home, but he took his Messias Nefesh with him, took his dedication with him. In other words, you could be dedicated to something to the point of giving your life for it. That, that's different than being ready to die. Tzemach Tzedek left the burial shards at home. It's not about, you know, vis-a-vis what kind of, um, what's going to happen afterwards in case I get in trouble. Shomer Shalom was ready to die, that's true. But the Tzemach Tzedek's dedication was more like, this is going to happen, we're going to win. So the Tzemach Tzedek, before uh, visiting Petersburg on one of his missions to, on behalf of the Jewish people, he visited the Ohel of his mother. His mother, Rebbe um, who had passed away long before when the Tzemach Tzedek was still a child. So the Tzemach Tzedek uh, told this exchange he had with his mother after she passed away to his son, the Rebbe Marash, who also had to visit various echelons of the government on behalf of the Jewish people, also because of the Askolov movement. And the Tzemach Tzedek told the Rebbe Marash the following. My mother told me, that because of my visit that I had to have with the Askala movement, with the Russian government, the, my mother said that she went into the chamber of the Baal Shem Tev. The, I went into the Baal Shem Tev to ask on behalf of, on your behalf on Baal Shem Tev. So Baal Shem Tev told me, said Rebbe Tzvoraleya to the Samach in a vision that he had of her after her passing in a dream. She, he said that my mother told me that that's about Shem Tev said, it says in the Torah, there will be the fear of, uh, there will be the fear on the cities, the fear of Hashem on these cities. That's what the verse says. But the verse in, in, in Bereshis, be the fear of Hashem on these cities. So the Baal Shem Tev said that the word Chitas is also an acronym for the words of three books, the book of Chumash, the book of Tehillim, the book of Tanya. And since, said the Baal Shantav says, that your son, Tzemach Tzedek, he knows all these three books by heart. He knows the Chumash by heart, the Tehillim by heart, and the Tanya by heart. So therefore, he'll be protected, Chitas Alkim will be protected in, uh, in, his, in, his, in his mission in the, uh, on, on behalf of the Jewish people. That's what, that's what his mother said. So the Tzemach Tzedek told us that Marash, and he said to him that wherever you go in, in Petersburg, you should, whether you're in a government office or you're visiting a minister, you should recite three chapters of Chumash, three chapters of Tehillim and Tanya. And the Rebbe Marash told this story, how this instruction he got from his father. And he told this to the Rebbe Rasham, and he said that, what do you suppose happened? With this, this was a very good prescription, he said. With three chapters of Chumash, three chapters of Tehillim, three chapters of Tanya, he said all the plots of the Maskilim, of the Askolavun, was nullified, and the Jewish people who hold steadfast and true the Torah and its holiness were amazingly victorious. And he said that the leader of the Maskilim, the leader of the Askolavun movement, escaped the country out of fear and humiliation as a result of the great financial loss that they caused the government due to the unsold books that they published. Now, Skull Moon was in trouble, the Russian government, because they had gotten the government involved in printing their books, and the government had invested in it, on, supposing that, that the books would be sold, and now the leader of Skull Moon had to leave as a result 
of the fact that the books were not sold. This is, by the way, a lot of what I'm sharing tonight comes from the The Hair Magazine of this month. Um, there is a um, another part which is not in this The Hair Magazine, another story which, which I may have shared before, I don't recall. There was a, um, a there is in England a, a teacher, a mechanic named Aaron Danderovich. Aaron Danderovich's father passed away several years ago. And at the, at the Shiva, during the Shiva for his father, he was visited by a friend of his father's. He told his son the following story. He said that, oh, Aaron, the Rabbi, Rabbi Nandarovich knows about the story before he met this uh, friend of his father's, Rabbi, um, Rabbi, Rabbi Sovrzhinsky. All that he knew about the story was that he was five years old, his father was sick. They didn't know anything more than that. But now by, the, by his father's funeral, he discovered how his father recovered. What happened was, was that uh, Rabbi Sorozhinsky and Arndan Dravich's father, they were together, they grew up together, and they also were in the, um, the concentration camps together. And they really had a you know, bond of soul to soul. So when they were living in, uh, in uh, England, in London, after the war, Rabbi Aaron's father got very sick. He had, and the doctors wanted to do a operation in, on his brain. It's a very dangerous operation. The doctors said the operation is very dangerous and there's a chance that we'll be able to heal you. And on the other hand, there's a likelihood that you'll become a vegetable. So they didn't, so they didn't know what to do. They didn't know if they should, if they should operate or not. So Rabbi Aaron's father sent a letter to 23 rabbis around the world asking them what, they, what, what he should do. Now, none of the rabbis he had asked answered him at all. They didn't say anything. How would they know what we're supposed to do? And they didn't answer at all. And there was also, Rabbi Aaron said, you have to understand, after World War II, the world was, was such an, it was, it was so like, dejected and despondent because of the colossal loss of the Jewish people. So it wasn't, wasn't surprising no one answered. The only one who answered, he said, was the Rebbe. And the Rebbe responded, and the Rebbe said that the, this, this man, Maren's father, should study Chumash to Hillman time. But he was so sick at the time, it wasn't possible that he should study Chumash to Hillman time. So Bisrael called the Rebbe's office, and he said, what does Rebbe mean? He's not able to do this. So he, I think he was talking to Rabbi Kharikov, Rebbe's secretary, and Rabbi Kharikov laid this to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said it's sufficient for one of the members of the, of the family also to study Chitas, which wasn't possible either. He had, Rabbi Aaron was five years old, so Rabbi Yisrael said no one in the family could do it. So the Rebbe said it's also sufficient if a family member does it on his behalf. I'm sorry, if a friend does it on his behalf. So Solzhenitsky told, told Baron, he said, for 40 years, I'm studying chitas every single day in merit of your father. And your father recovered miraculously without an operation then. And he lived for 40 years with all, despite the fact that the doctor said that he had this, this, this uncurable illness. So chitas doesn't have just a protection for ourselves to do it. It also has protection for somebody to do it in their merit and uh, far beyond that. Um, my, my, and, and it's not something that uh, doesn't have a 
personal immediate effect. Darizal famously was able to tell in a person's face uh, whether they did a mitzvah or not do a mitzvah that day. And similarly, many, many people asked Rebbe for various blessings and the Rebbe responded to them with one word, chitas question mark. My uncle, Rabbi Chaim Fogman told me how he wrote to the Rebbe several times on several occasions for several, many different things. And if that was a time when he was not studying chitas, he got an immediate response in the Rebbe, chitas, underline, question mark. And time passed, wrote again, chitas, underline, question mark. Rabbi um, Dalfin, Rabbi Aaron Dalfin from Florida, uh, he had an issue he wanted the Rebbe's advice about, and the Rebbe responded to him with one word, chitas. So he interpreted the Rebbe's statement was more about him not being such a devoted chassid. He didn't take it literally that he has to focus on chitas. So he just thought like, okay, the Rebbe is telling me I'm not, I'm not such a chassid. I have to be a better chassid. Okay, that's nice. Or not so nice. And, but he didn't, he didn't actually start learning chitas. But he didn't get an answer to those questions. So he wrote to the Rebbe again months later. And he asked him again, what should he do? They responded again, chitas. So he took this seriously, started learning chitas. And then he wrote, and then after he started to learn chitas, he wrote to the Rebbe again, and the Rebbe answered all of his questions. There is a story of a man talking to the Rebbe once, asking for the Rebbe's advice, and the Rebbe asked him if he's learning chitas, and he said no, and the Rebbe said, you are, um, you are, uh, you're not learning chitas. Here I am giving time from my yechida, from the essence of my soul, for your yechida, the essence of your soul, and you're not even learning chitas. In other words, that's like a prerequisite. There was a Jew uh, named Rabbi Yaakov Stamler who lost a lot of money because an investment went sour. He wrote to the Rebbe about the investment and how it went sour. Never responded to him, did you learn chitas that day? So it shows that, that the chitas we learn has an effect not only in general on our, on our whole life, but also on that specific day. Um, if you miss chitas during the day, the Rebbe once said you can finish chitas just like the sacrifices which were brought by day could be, or the, the, were burnt the entire night, preferably before midnight, but could be burnt the whole night. So the Rebbe said if you didn't do chitas and during the day, you could also finish it the night afterwards and or at least before Amur HaShachar, um, before the next morning. The Pnei Menachem, the Gerer Rebbe, asked a very interesting question, which many people have. This question was, the previous Rebbe set up the way this, the Tanya was meant to be studied during, uh, during the year. And throughout the year, the um, Tanya is somewhat, um, is different on a leap year and on a year uh, when there is a uh, regular, there's no, where there is no extra month. It's, it's different, but a lot of it's the same. He would think if the purpose of, of uh, changing around the order of the Tanya leap year is because since there are more days, you shorten every, every single, you should shorten all of the um, Tanya for every day so that because you have a whole extra month. But instead of the majority of the year, the Chitas is the same on a uh, leap year, on a regular year, and there's only a certain certain uh, days which are different. So he asked the previous Rebbe, he asked the Rebbe, the Rebbe, asked the Rebbe, how come we do the same Tanya on a, um, on a, um, 
leap year, for, for much of the leap year. So the Rebbe responded, it's similar to the Chumash. The, the Chumash is, is different on a, on a leap year uh, because it's a leap year, not necessarily because of trying to finish the Chumash at that certain time. Like, case in point for perhaps, um, there's, there's, there's a different answer for this question, but you know, right now in Eretz Yisrael, they are reading um, Parshas Bahar. And we're not going to catch up to them until until uh, in two weeks. We need Bahar B'chakosay together. But really, we could have caught up to them right after um, Pesach. We could have had Achrei Mois Kedoshim, a double Parsha then, and caught up there to Israel. But clearly, it's not about catching up, but rather, there is a Chumash, which is meant for every single day, wherever you are in the world. And therefore, Eretz Yisrael have to do it this way, this day, and we have to do it a different way. We only catch up to them on that, on Mitzvah Hashem in, in, in two weeks. Um, there was another line that the Rebbe Rashab said after the story I mentioned before. The Rebbe Rashab said that when you, the study of, of uh, a chapter of Tanya does not only uh, break through all the concealments, but in the 50 years since the story of the Marash and Tzamaq Tzedek, a chapter of Tanya is able not only to break through the concealments of godliness, but to bring about the deepest spiritual revelations, both spiritually and materially, and a chapter of Tanya by heart brings out a vast amount of blessing and success. Uh, one more point I wanted to share before. Um, Rebbe told Rabbi David Raskin, that the 10 minutes you spend studying Chitas affects your children and your grandchildren. Is it 10 minutes? Everyone takes, spends a bit different amount of time studying it. Uh, of course, you're supposed to give, put a lot of energy into doing it because it's an important thing. But if you can't, even saying the words of the chitas are also a sagul, also a spiritual remedy that brings lots of blessing. There was a boy who was traveling to New York from Israel, and people had asked him that he give the Rebbe a list of names to ask for blessing for various people. And the Rebbe, and the boy's writing the letter, and he was very tired, and he fell asleep in the middle of writing the letter. And so he came to New York, and the first thing he did was he handed the letter to the Rebbe's secretary and got an answer back from the Rebbe. The answer was that he should study chitas. He missed chitas that day. He fell asleep in chitas. Do chitas. So it's it's clearly something that is far beyond uh, our understanding, and uh, but it's something that that's pertinent and affects and has to do with uh, everything that's going on in our life. So so something worth worth investing. Someone actually wrote to the Rebbe and said to the Rebbe that. Um, they don't have time. They want to be exempt from Tilmantanya and just do Chumash because they have time for Chumash, they don't have time for Tilmantanya. Can they just fulfill their obligation just with, with uh, Tilmantanya? And they responded, it's not for the sake of anyone else, it's for your sake, for your own benefit. Therefore, you want to do Tilmantanya because it's, it's for your own benefit. Uh, one unrelated story I wanted to share, not related to the stories before, it's one more story. Rabbi Goldman from Abyasi Goldman from South Africa he related a story that's printed in the Quran Chabad about a couple that had a question about adopting a child. They asked the Rebbe whether they should adopt the child or not. They were having a trouble uh, becoming pregnant. And the Rebbe said he had ever given them a blessing to have a child. But years were passing. And they concurrent with uh, trying to have a child medically and trying various treatments. They also tried to adopt a child. And they live in South Africa, and 
they had put in a request, and anyone who, who has tried to adopt a child before knows that it's not a simple thing. It's quite a long time. And finally, they were given the green light to adopt a child which was going to be born soon. There was a woman who put up her child for adoption, uh, but she was pregnant with the child, but she said that when she gives birth, she wants the child to be adopted. So they were on the waiting list for this child, or miraculously, they were going to get this child if they wanted the child, but they had to promise that to sign. And they asked, they asked Rabbi Goldman, what should we do? On the one hand, Rabbi gave us this blessing. On the other hand, it's taking time. And we're not exactly sure exactly what Rabbi's blessing was. And uh, time is, and it's not, but the good news is, he, they told Rabbi Goldman, my wife is pregnant. And so maybe we shouldn't adopt. We want to have the other raise a child, but my wife is pregnant. So Rabbi Goldman um, said, we, it's not a question for a rabbi, it's a question for the rabbi. Wife is pregnant. We have to ask the Rebbe what you should do because the issue was, although his wife was pregnant, this had happened before that she became pregnant, but she lost a child. She lost the lost pregnancy. So she didn't know if they should try to carry for full term or she should, they should adopt. And, and well, of course, they're going to try, but the question was, should they also adopt or not? So they asked the Rebbe, this is already after the stroke the Rebbe had on the 27th of Adar in Tufshin, based in 19, 1991, uh, 92 rather. And the Rebbe at that time was only responding with a shake of his head. So the Rebbe responded, no, they should not adopt. Yes, they'll have a blessing for a child. And that's exactly what happened. Baruch Hashem, they have a child who, uh, Baruch Hashem uh, is now, uh, Baruch Hashem, a, an adult. Bottom line is that the words of the Rebbe are, uh, as we learned at Pirkei Yavis today, ethics of our fathers, and words of like fire. So therefore, if he tells us that for blessings, for all good things, we should study chitas, it's worth it, and it brings blessings in ways that we that we don't even we don't even, we have no idea. And that's what I want to share tonight. Any questions, comments? A good vach, good chaydish, Yehuda. Good chaydish, thank you, Rabbi. Good vach, good David. Good vach, good chaydish, Beryl. Good vach, good chaydish. Good vach, good vach. Thank you very much. Thank you.